Good afternoon. Welcome to probateweekly.com. I'm Bill Gross, the LA probate expert. And we do this every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Talk about all things probate real estate. Whether you're an investor, wholesaler, real estate agent, paralegal, attorney, accountant in the probate space, we'd love to get together and talk about how we can help each other. Uh, we get some referrals. Le most importantly, they'll learn and be able to better provide for our customers so we create more value so we can increase our income and make more money. Sometimes we have guests, sometimes we just have different content we exchange. Uh, I'm not selling anything here today. I'm really just here to educate and network. I need to network with the other providers around the country. I have a national team of probate real estate agents currently in, in California, um, Georgia, and Florida. We're looking to add other states. If you're interested, let me know. Towards that, I'm really excited to have a special guest today who I met um, because there's, there's still a very uh, large probe activity and trust activity in other states, in particular North Carolina. And I came across uh, this lady, Ashley Palmer, who is a CPA and a paralegal and does a lot of work in the probate and trust administration um, as opposed, she's not an attorney, as opposed to litigation. But for those of us involved in real estate, oftentimes administration is getting a house ready for sale or selling a house or helping our customers. So I'm really excited to have here from Raleigh, North Carolina, yes. Ashley Palmer. Hey, Ashley, how are you doing? Thanks. Great. I'm so glad to be here. Um, someone, someone says to raise your volume. Me raise my volume? Yeah. Someone really? in the chat said that. How's this? Testing one, two, three. Is that better? Testing? Yeah, one? they did a thumbs up. Okay, good. Okay, yeah. I have to talk to the microphone to think of what they're saying. Fancy microphone, but you got to talk into it or it doesn't work, I guess. So, okay. So, Ashley, you're from Raleigh, and um, you're, you uh, are CPA as well, correct? Yes, that's correct. Which is a big part of probate and trust or accounting. We'll get into those issues. But let's go back in time in the beginning. How, where did you grow up? How did you get into working in trust and probate administration? Yeah, so... Um, I did grow up here in Raleigh, and I think you uh, interviewed my boss, Jason Walls, earlier this week, and he and I and a few others at our firm seem to be like practically the only uh, native North Carolinians anymore these days. Oh, wow. Um, but all right, so let's go back in time. So it was Christmas Day, 1985. I was seven. My sister was four. My mom was 35. My dad was 38. After we opened presents, my mom had to tell us some very sad news that our father and the love of her life had passed away early in the morning after a two-year battle with cancer, a kind that is fortunately now curable. Her bank accounts were frozen. She had never written a check to pay a bill because dad handled that. And so the advisors in her life, the lawyers, CPA, financial advisors, were key in helping her to have the mental wherewithal and resources needed to raise us and send us to college. So a few years out of college, I kind of fell into this job at another great firm. I just knew someone there. I liked it, but I thought it was a dead end job and I was young and upwardly mobile. I wanted to be CEO at the time. Um, and so I quit to go back to school and get my master's in accounting at UNC Chapel Hill, go heels. And uh, I became a CPA. And I did the audit gig for many years, um, but I always remembered my job at the law firm as the best job I ever had. It was because I was helping people through a very difficult time and there was no like helping or making a difference for people that I was auditing, you know, as an internal auditor. So even though some of my audit clients said they like to see my smiling face coming, um, most sure. everyone just didn't really like seeing us. 
Um, and so 10 years later, almost to the day, I went back to that same job at the same firm. And I've been doing this work now for the last nine years. And I absolutely love using my quantitative skills to help people through one of the most difficult times in life, the loss of a loved one. And, I, and so I feel that it is my calling and mission in life to help relieve the burden of the probate paperwork from grieving people. So that's my story. I'm and it comes across, I think that uh, when I first talked to you, um, for those of you who know me, um, <clears throat> my, my main coach in probate is Chad Corbett, uh, Probate Mastery, formerly at alltheleads.com. And, and really he's made this um, business, this, his tree of the probate business to be about having empathy. And I'll be honest with you, as a, as a man in general, uh, I'm not the most sensitive and empathetic. My wife will tell you, if I call her in, she'll testify under oath that I'm not as empathetic as I should be. But I work at it in this business, partially because I've lost both my parents and through our marriage, uh, lost both my in-laws. So wow. I've been through that process four different times. And mm -hmm. I've seen it from a bunch of different angles. And then now I've lived longer to see it through other people as well. And I started to become a resource for them. Uh, and it drew me to it. And I see that come through you as well. So here you are. Normally, you think of a CPA with a little green hat on and numbers and the 10 key uh, with your hand without looking at it. But here you actually enjoy uh, this part of it, which involves your numbers. But so what does the majority of a day for a probate administrator or trusted administrator doing this on behalf of other people? You, you're not doing it for your own self, mm -hmm. but you're doing it for clients. What's a day look like? What's the kind of activities that, you, that are normal for you? Sure. So, you know, it ranges from, you know, client intake, you know, doing an initial meeting with someone, um, figuring out the nature of their ass, the, the decedent's assets, liabilities, and family structure. And then um, all the way to filling out that those forms and paperwork to submit to the probate court, having the client sign it. Like, for example, today, I had a client come in to sign an inventory so there's like three phases initial qualification inventory and then accountings and so i had the client sign an inventory today we also had a lot of sign we had a fair number of signed um and ready to go filings so i worked all afternoon on getting those filings out with my newest co-worker we just hired um, from our local estates um court office and so she's a great help so we are checking each other checking each other's work making sure everything looks good and it's what the court wants to see and getting those out and mailed or delivered to the court now i'm going to ask questions sometimes that might be considered private if it's company <laughs> private or proprietary feel free to not answer <clears throat> but about how many cases do you uh file monthly about how many do you have in your caseload on a monthly basis so our caseload is about 50 to 55 estates right now, 10 trust and a handful, like three to five, maybe guardianship accountings. So after someone gets adjudicated incompetent, the, uh, the accounting process is pretty much the same for a guardianship as it is for an estate. Um, so that's about how many we have right now. So at 50 active cases, and that means any month you're filing 50 to 60 uh we had we probably did we you know with this basically each case has at least three sometimes more we probably had 
I don't know, it seems like 10 filings go out this month, maybe. Like, so this is important. For real estate agents, I often get a question, well, what does this have to do with getting listings as a realtor? Mm-hmm. Learn what your clients are going through, and if you can solve the problem better, you become the solution. And listen to what she's telling you. She's telling you that she's filing 10 filings a month, maybe four new cases a month, and 50 at a time that she's administering. When you meet an attorney or you have a client who's going to choose an attorney who does one every three years, how could they possibly know what to do mm-hmm. compared to Ashley and her and her assistant production line mm-hmm. that has to be to do that kind of paperwork? And so I really want those of you uh, real estate agents or investors or families to think about when you choose somebody. I have all the time real estate agents call me up and talk about a case. The client's talking to an attorney. I'll pull up the case. And that attorney just happened uh, on Monday. One case since 2017, one. Mm. How can you know what to do in a, yeah. in a business that changes so much, law and, and just in general? So thank you for sharing kind of those numbers for us. Yeah. Let's go back and cover a couple definitions. So as I understand it, guardianship is when you have somebody who is um, below the age of competence or legal age, I guess, right? Below 18 years old? A minor. Yep. A minor. There you go. Born incompetent. Mentally incompetent of some sort. Mentally incompetent. So if if someone is getting adjudicated incompetent, there has to be a hearing. There has to be a GAL or guardian ad litem appointed for them. Like I said, a hearing is usually held. Uh, the court considers basically all the evidence and um, and then makes a decision on whether the person should or should not be adjudicated incompetent. And then basically all their rights are taken away and their their guardian takes over but these are these are not i mean these these people can't do many of the functions of daily life so a nicer way to put it um that they've started using instead of incompetent is adult ward so that that means an incompetent person it's just it just sounds better and is that include conservatorship or is that different conservatorship's in california it's basically the same thing okay yep so California, we have we have like three different. We have the regular probate, and then we have a guardianship would be only for minors. And okay. Conservatorships would be for any adult. Okay. And in in, in essence, a a um, uh, guardianship could pass into a conservatorship based on age and such. Um, right. Well, yes. Yeah, so it's it's all the same. It's all guardianship. It's but it's either of them. So you don't have to get adjudicated incompetent if you're a minor because you're a minor. Just by your birth date, you don't have competent competent right. you know yeah for people who are mentally right. competent or physically able they're maybe going to coma god forbid mm-hmm. so do you ever act as the fiduciary for estates do you act as a uh, other states where you become the administrator petitioner and act on behalf or are you just doing the work on behalf of the petitioners the vast majority is that we represent the personal representative or the trustee or the guardian um we are not guardians of anyone. We might have, we might be the trustee on one and the executor on one, maybe two. We actually have um, a case where some UK, United Kingdom solicitors reached out to us because they had um, uh, an American, like was born a lady who was born in America moved to London, lived there most of her life, passed away, but she left assets in in um, North Carolina, in the United States. And so 
because they can't serve because a non-US person is not allowed to serve in North Carolina as executor, even though that person is like their version of a CPA in the UK, they can't serve just because of the rules. And so our one of our attorneys is going to serve as, in that capacity. But that's not your general practice as a business. There are, it's not our general practice. Now, in California, there's attorneys where that's their business. Like they are either, they, they solicit attorneys to appoint them as um, uh, fiduciaries for mm -hmm. the trust or guardianship or probate. Um, it, like there's, yeah. there's certain attorneys, that's their job, that's their business. And, uh -huh. and I think for real estate agents, those are really great sources of business because if mm -hmm. all you do is represent various estates, guardianships, conservatorships, you're regularly involved in those decision process. And mm -hmm. I would say in LA, those are the most competitive people to get business from because for that same reason. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh. And I would, I would also just interject with, you know, um, referral sources, you know, almost all of those cases, estates and guardianships, you know, if someone's, if they're an adult ward, um, then they usually are having to sell a home to put them into a skilled nursing facility of some sort. And so it usually involves the sale of a home through the guardianship process. And then also an estate, you know, sometimes people, the family members want to live in the house, but a lot of times they just want to sell it. Right. So a lot of those represent sales, you know, of houses. Okay. So let's see. Um, and so the real estate um, would be sold through probate unless they're, they're going to keep it. That would be true for a, um, a, uh, a guardianship as well as a, a regular probate case. Now, are there, are there cases in North Carolina where properties have to be sold and the court has to confirm it and there's an overbid process? Does that happen regularly? Is that a rare thing? How does it happen in North Carolina? Yeah, so by default, when someone passes away, Let's just say, you know, mom, you know, mom is widowed and she's got two adult children. Um, when she passes away, if she, by the laws of intestate succession and she's got two children, then it would just immediately vest in the beneficiaries as of the date of death. So they could and should immediately start taking over the bills, paying them themselves or the rental income is now theirs. The expenses and the income are now their own. Um, so I think that's different than than California, because it sounds like I was listening to the interview with my boss, Jason Walls, you did earlier this week that in California, all real property goes through probate. Is that correct? Well, not husband, wife and, and not they're deeded together. Right. If you're deeded, okay. you know, father and son on the deed, that's Point. different. Okay. But if it's just father on the deed or mom and dad on the deed and mom and dad deceased, doesn't matter who's alive left, if they're gone to transfer to children, it has to go through probate. Okay. Unless so there's a trust. That is that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Unless there's a trust that same here. Um, but well, if it's a trust then it's in the trust and the trust owns it and carries on or whatever. Um, but the, um, in North Carolina, by default, it just goes straight to the heirs. If she had a will, then it would go to those those beneficiaries. Right. Um, so if she had the two children and I don't know a cousin or something, then it would be split 
those three ways and they would be the owner. And so they can sell it themselves personally. They may need the executor or administrator, the personal representative to sign off on the sale just to say, we do, I don't need this in order to pay claims. There's a couple of, there's, there's a couple of scenarios where um, an estate is brought back in to, sorry, real property is brought back into the estate in order to pay claims. But it's the prerogative of the personal representative as to whether that's the, in the best interest of the estate or not. So the situations are guardianship. If there's, you know, minor or incompetent, you have to petition the court for possession, custody, and control. Um, and then it can be sold. So that involves a hearing, a petition, the court, and an order, and all of that. And it usually has to go through the upset bid process, which is a physical posting at the courthouse, on the courthouse steps, basically, and people have 10 days to upset bid that and it's 5% or 750,000 700 sorry $750 whichever is greater so on a $265,000 sale the upset bid would be about $13,000 right that's 5% um, so we call that overbid in, in California same okay. upset bid interesting and and the clock starts so it has 10 days to be upset and if it's not upset then that person wins we just had one win on monday so that will basically be processed through the court to they they will have to confirm the contract for sale and then that will be um then it will be sold that way the other um scenarios where that would come into play is insolvency. So if the estate has $20,000 and its debts are $80,000 and there's some equity in the house that could pay it to pay those claims, then, then we would recommend that the PR bring petition the court to bring the real property back into the estate in order to sell it. Same upset bid process happens. Um, the another couple of scenarios, um, the will can grant the executor the authority either like must or sh shall or can sell the property. So sometimes the will says that it can't, my executor can sell my property. And so you don't have to go through that petition process to bring it back in. Um, the other scenario would be like if there were fighting beneficiaries and nobody could decide what to do with it it might be in the best interest of the estate to just sell it if everybody's like fighting over the baby then just sell it to split the baby or i don't know like we've had some situations where we've had to do that before so you're in raleigh which is what county Queen? wake county wake county and i imagine it's one of the biggest in the state any idea how many it upset is. sales there are how many times that opportunity exists i do not i do not know I don't think, I mean, I happen to track all of those in LA County that, I mean, literally my goal is every single one. And so yeah. I, I accumulate statistics, but I don't think any, there are very few people who know that answer in LA for sure, unless you specialize in looking at those properties to buy them, which you're not doing that. You're just selling them as they come up. Does it seem to you to be a, a regular event? Does it seem to be abnormally irregular? 
the special proceeding to bring the to bring the real property in no no the upset bid um well i mean it's basically the same thing right the special proceeding involves the upset bid process so to to bring the real property in um i would say we have we might have five or ten so maybe ten percent of our estates have that process the rest of them either you know the heirs are just keeping the property or they sell them they sell the property themselves because they can so i think in la is about 10 percent, but 10 percent 500 is 50 and you know i don't know how many in your county if it's 200 10 percent could be 20 a month uh, yeah. of opportunities so the real estate people might want to take a look at that and, I, and dig a little deeper i do know some other kind of stats that i recently looked at our county has 1.1 million people and there's about 5,000 estates open per year in Wake County as contrasted by the smallest one of the smallest counties in North Carolina where I have done a probate proceeding there's like 5,000 people and I'm pretty sure my file number was number six and it was opened mid-year so they might have like 20 estates in a year so really I stopped the stamp scary. there pull the spider webs off of it we, we are tied with Mecklenburg County, where Charlotte is, for uh, we're about the same population and estate case, roughly, I think. It's very difficult for me when I talk to somebody from North Carolina not to flash back to Mayberry RFD. So I, you know, <laughs> that was my sense of what North Carolina looks like. Yeah, I should more imagine Michael Jordan and, uh, well, like, and Carolina Panthers, but I still think of Mayberry RFD when I think of North Carolina. Well, Amazon and Apple are coming, so I think we're going to look just like California soon. Our real estate market is crazy right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if being like California is good or bad, but I'll leave that for you to, to yeah. judge. Um, <laughs> tell me about the, the records process in your county. I'm sure it varies in every county. How accessible are the probate records as far as finding out who the petitioner is, maybe their phone number, or contact information, who the attorney is? Is that contact information available if it's real estate or not, or is that something that's um, guarded? Yep. So our um, all of our files are public record, and so anyone can go into the court office to look at the file itself. So anything that's publicly available, which you know the petitioner's information would be in there. Um, and then kind of the nature and extent of the assets would be ascertainable from the inventory a real real property is listed but it's it's not like it's listed as property which can be added back to the estate if it's needed to pay claims via the special proceeding and upset bid process so it is listed there um also all of our real property records are also public deeds are public and like the tax information basically and the ownership and when it was bought and sold and for how much um, is uh, available online. And so, you know, typically when we get a new client or potential client, we, and we know with the county that they live in, we just do a quick search for their name and we can see what they might own there. Um, it depends, I think, you know, some of the like really like the client, the, the you know, Hyde County out on the Outer Banks of North Carolina with 5,000 people. I don't know if their records are online or not. They may or may not be, but they are available at the Register of Deeds to look at. Sorry. Yeah, California has, has a wide variety from LA, which is as big as it gets and up to date in technology. And then we have you know remote counties that are in mountain areas where there's 5,000 people and 
Same thing. So, but I've looked for real properties for a, a decedent who died in North Carolina and owned properties in other states, and it's not publicly available. I had to email. You basically had to be. You have to have a legitimate reason. I had to say I'm you know, working at the law firm that represents the estate of this person, we suspect she owns something yeah. around here, you know, can you confirm? So is that, yours aren't public, is that correct? I think all counties are, I, I, I'm not 100% okay. sure, but I think because the nature of their tax system, uh, and it just seems like the nature of California, <clears throat> I believe you get public, I mean, I know there's a whole slew of counties that I have access to. Um, I'm pretty sure, you know, uh, <clears throat> As far as the real estate public records are public, as far as probate, you know, it varies by state, by county. Some are available online, some you have to go in person, some aren't available at all. There, it is a wide variety by county on probate records within California. Mm. So they are public then. Well, certain information is public. Um, like in LA County, you can find, you can see the first page of the petition mm -hmm. for. Um, uh, petition for probating an estate. And the first page of any document that's filed in a case, you can see. Mm. So sharp attorneys will keep all the private information on the second page and at least make somebody pay to get it. And then uh -huh. in trusts and guardianships and conservatorships, it's a little more private. <clears throat> it depends. It, there's different levels uh, depending what what the, the judge agrees to. But generally, you can see a lot of the information on almost every case in, in California, in uh, Los Angeles County and Orange and San Diego, for example. Okay. I got to ask a question. Do I see an increase in or decrease in probate filings in LA County? And Christopher, I can't say I did a mathematical significant analysis of overall filings, but I will say it's been pretty steady. I don't notice month to month, I pull 500 this month and it might be 600 or 400 depending on holidays and seasons and such. But it seems to be about the same as it was two years ago. How about in North Carolina? Your population's growing. Is the probate and trust business, the number of filings growing? Uh, of course, you know, a successful firm, you might feel like it is, but that might just be what you're getting. Do you have any sense overall about the court? It, it does. It does feel like it. I think it's probably, you know, population driven. Um, and so we are a growing county. Um, and it, it does seem like we're I'm so glad we just hired a new person a few weeks ago because <laughs> just slammed. I don't know what I would do without her. I, we just got real busy all of a sudden, it seems like. So, you know, I, I noticed we had a, you know, big news about the uh, federal statistics on uh, gross domestic product GDP it was down for the first quarter. And what they, what they noticed was certain states are up and other ones are down. And I, I believe North Carolina, Tennessee, Florida are just booming. And mm -hmm. the states are starting to feel the effects of the transition. So, yeah. Um, contact information. We'll we'll put her. Uh, we'll put Ashley's contact information in the end of the show notes. Um, okay. But she's affiliated with WallsLawNC.com. Walls Law Group is the group, and the website's WallsLawNC for North Carolina.com. And on there, you'll see a picture of her, and you'll see little forms and phone numbers and all that kind of stuff to get in contact with her. Um, so some other questions. Oh, Bill. <laughs> Okay, we got the Zoom bombed and somebody got in. Oh man, <laughs> it's always something. I think that was my first Zoom bomb. <laughs> um, we, we had a tight security. You know, I do like this to be participative, um, but because we've been getting Zoom bombed, Bill, so shut history. up and kiss me. Come on, Dale. Okay, so let's hold on a second. This is just. Oh, Lord. 
Um, we don't let them change their name anymore for the same reason. Uh, and if you're on, um, Jess, if you can catch. There we go. My name is Quandale Dingle. Yeah, Quandale. Thank you so much. Shut up and he, kiss me. He needs to get a life. Yeah, well, there's, you know, it is really sad. Um, and then we'll let them change their name, so hopefully he can't come back in. Okay, sorry about that. I've had cases we put on pornography, and they, they have, you know, incredibly vulgar audio. I mean, it's just been crazy. Um, but I think we have that now locked down. So what are the fees to prepare and file a probate paperwork from beginning to end? And then do you serve as administrator? Rep? I think we talked about that generally. That's not their business. They've done it, but not generally. So if the family doesn't want to serve, then you would have to hire somebody else. And what would the fees be for that fiduciary uh, to handle? So what's a common probate cost between the court fees and, and then you know third-party vendor publication fees and such, and mm -hmm. then your company fees to administer? Yeah, so um, it's $120 at the probate court to open a file. And then it's $4 per thousand um, based on the value of the assets in the estate, anything that comes in. So it's like a tax on what you have, um, not what you owe, but anyway, on what you have. Um, and so, but it's capped at $6,000. So you won't pay more than $6,000 in probate fees. And that's like upwards of 1.5 or thereabouts million dollars. Um, and then the notice to creditors is in the one to $200 range. Um, uh, the filing fee, the minimum filing fee for an inventory or an annual account or final account is $15. Are you going to write these fees now? No, somebody, I got, you know, this is just crazy. <laughs> okay. Um, All right. So, and then as far as legal fees, it's, we bill on an hourly basis we find that it's roughly, and this is, you know, it, so it's on an hourly basis. So it's a case by case basis. So it really depends. It could be less and it could be a lot more, especially if people are fighting or there's lots of issues. Um, we find that it's about two to $3,000 in legal fees per phase. So to get you qualified, it's about that much and run the notice and then to do the inventory about that much and then for every subsequent accounting until it, the estate is done um it's about that's about that much so but if there's you know we've got some accountings are 100 pages you know that's um that might be on the higher end of that range or maybe even exceeding that range um there's some that are super easy and aren't like they're like a thousand dollars per face so it just ranges i would say to very average would be 7,500 to 10,000 in legal fees. And what kind of assets of an estate is that average? So we, you know, <clears throat> we don't, we, we bill on an hourly basis, not a sure. size basis like the probate court does, you know, um, mm -hmm. dollars per thousand, um, a percentage, uh, probably, and if they have litigation, that's more, I'd say our typical estates are between 
800,000 or a million thereabouts. Okay. Typically that does not include real estate. So. Okay. So, um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think it's just the, the hardest part is we in the business kind of expect this is just what it costs and we're moving fast. And then the customers are what, how much I just tried to save 25 cents in a box of Cheerios at, at Costco, <laughs> you know, pay a thousand dollars for what? And I think that you know, it, it forces me to slow down and tell people, you know, there's a difference between self-help and filling out the forms and getting professional assistance. Um, I find that the the most almost impossible for people to do on their own is accounting. Talk a little bit about what goes into trust accounting, and you must get customers that come to you and say, "Hey, I got ninety percent ninety percent of the way there, but oh my gosh, the accounting is killing me. Can you help me?" And they just bring you the shoebox and throw it in your desk and run out real fast. What's that look like? Yep, we just got one of those out the door today. Um, so the in that particular one, it was a county, it's about two hours away, and they got qualified and did the inventory, but then we're like, we've been paying the real estate expenses out of the estate because someone told us to do that. And I was like, well, you can't do that, but we'll fix it, don't worry. <laughs> so we, we, um, we basically drafted some consents to, to fix it. So yeah, people, it's either too voluminous or it's they're doing things that are wrong and they get it gets kicked back from the probate court because they're paying incorrect, you know, nature of expenses like real estate expenses out of the estate when they shouldn't be. Um, and so then they will come to us and and then it is kind of a knot to unravel. <laughs> so um, the other thing I was going to say, kind of in answer to your question before about fees. So the if um, well, so for our clients that we typically represent, they can get up to 5% of the assets that come in and that go out ex with some exclusions, but they can get a commission up to 5%. So if it's $100,000 total that came came in and then was went out to pay bills, then, you know, let's say we've got 80,000 in assets and 20,000 in bills, then they can get a commission of $5,000 on that 100,000. Um, and that is in solely in the clerk's discretion. So they can say, well, you had an attorney help you, so we're only gonna give you 2.5% or whatever. Or, you know, the legal fees, it looks like they did everything and you did nothing, so we'll give you 1%. But typically we do get, um, the 5% for our clients if they want it and it is taxable to them. But we, we also, I also make sure, you know, I know what they've done, right? And so I list all the things that they've done in my petition for the commissions um, for the PR. And so we typically do get it. And I see that, that there's great variance and the, one of the biggest variables is the more complete you are explaining what you're trying to get paid for, the more likely you are to get paid. And so there's realtors who will sometimes sit, just because they got the deal and they feel the, the family's dependent on them, they try to charge a higher fee than normal mm -hmm. and the judge won't allow it. There are other cases right. where I've had cases where we had to resell the property due to circumstances two or three times and had extra costs we had to lay out, extra work we had to do. And we documented it, put a writing and signed our name to it. And the judge just, it looks at the sound, you know, it looks at it, it says it sounds reasonable. So um, hmm. 
I think it, it's important to have a professional help you with that. We got right. a question. I think this is from maybe your your Facebook group, actually. Kendra um, asked, yeah. my client's aunt died intestate. Um, he has been paying taxes on the vacant property for 12 years. He'd like uh, somehow to file for possession. Is that something you can help with? Now, just a quick disclaimer, neither I nor Ashley are attorneys, and we're not giving legal advice. <laughs> we're going to give maybe our business advice or experience based on our business experience in these fields. Um, and I, off the top of my head, I can see where you might file adverse possession if you're living there and you're paying taxes and or um, if there's no other heirs. But uh, Ashley, is that something your firm can help untangle? Um, it, it probably is. Um, it would be best if that person was basically the closest heir or like the only heir um or you know maybe they have siblings so they're in that like first class of heirs um then we could certainly help with that um and it i, I would just have to know a little bit more i'd be happy to talk to kendra i know kendra so um, I'd be happy to talk to her more about the specifics of that. Great. And sometimes realtors can act as a fiduciary instead of a commission, but get paid the same commission either way for doing the same kind of work. It's just a way to, at least in California, a way to kind of solidify your relationship. Kendra had another question. Kendra's going to get the award for best questions on the call today. She also asked, can you explain the widow's allowance? What's a widow's allowance? Okay. Yeah, sure. That's a, that's a good question. She sounds so like a ringer here, uh, Ashley. <laughs> um I, t I well you know she's 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 our connection she put me in touch with you so yes. yeah, yeah. yeah so um and i used to work for her years ago so um i the year's allowance so the year's allowance is available well I'm, I'm gonna I'll, I'll tell you it's called the spousal allowance or the um dependent child the children's allowance and it's what it's meant to be is it's meant to be you know i think how it started out historically was you know dad is working in the mines or you know a manual labor job gets killed he's got on the job or something he's got um a wife and small kids and they have no way to support themselves they've you know, like accounts are frozen or whatnot. So a spouse can petition the court. We have reviewed one of these today as well um, for up to the, the first $60,000 of personal property. And personal property is cash, bank accounts, vehicles, things that you can see and touch. Well, that's not a house or a piece of land. Right. So that's real property. So basically all other assets, right? Coin collections, furniture, that kind of thing. So they can petition the court or just ask the court for up to sixty thousand dollars that's not subject to creditor claims. So mm. the ideal situation would be if you had some creditors that you, you know, the spouse couldn't pay or doesn't want to pay and there's fifty nine thousand dollars worth of assets she can get those first 59 he can as well so it's a spouse so that's why i say it's not the widow's allowance it's the spouse's allowance so it's available to either gender and then the children's allowance they recently increased 
few years ago, maybe like five years ago, they increased that limit from $30,000 to $60,000. But they did not increase the children's allowance and it's five, $5,000. So wow. that's not really gonna support a kid for a year. Uh, that number hasn't been changed in a long time. So the child, the child's um, biological parent can petition the court or ask that, you know, the first five, first $5,000 also be given to the minor and it can be payable directly to that surviving parent or guardian. Well, um, our program is meant to be interactive. Um, we had we had a couple Zoom bombers, but, but I think we got rid of them. We've locked out anybody from coming in at this point. Uh, so what I'd say is if you'd like to ask a question and you're here, obviously you can put in the chat box, or if you know how to raise your hand on the reactions button on the Zoom app, or I'll say if you're on the video right now, if you want to kind of wave your hand and I'll, I'll kind of look for anybody with a question, I'd be glad to unmute you. You can ask the question live, a great way. And I think the thing that actually offers us is unique perspective of doing you know, a high volume of probate and trust administration work. She is in North Carolina, but I think you'll find that most of the principles she's talked about today, at least in my understanding, are, are similar to what we go through in California with a couple differences. And I think learning those differences helps you understand your market as well. So I know I've gotten a lot out of it, but who has a question? Uh, is it Bill01? Bill, let's get you unmuted and let's see what question you have for, um, go ahead and yourself. There you go. Okay. You, can you hear me? Yep. Yes. Great. Uh, it's nice to meet you. And uh, I'm, I'm in uh, the great state of, uh, or the great city of Statesville, North Carolina. So wow. I'm your neighbor. Um, I got a question though, when you when you talked about uh, going to the, to the office and seeing these, you know, all the information that was available to you. And I understand the real estate part of it's probably all available through the, the registered deeds office. But are you talking about going to the clerk of court's office? Yes. Particular clerk of court. Okay. The, the clerk of court. Yep. And they, so the clerk of court here in North Carolina houses all the original wills. So the original wills go there after someone passes away to live forever there. So they're always on file Okay. there and you can see it. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Good question. Okay. Who else has a question for Ashley? Again, if you want to put it in the chat box, I think we've covered most people. We put our contact info in there. If you want to raise your hand as a shortcut, or uh, reactions in the, in the Zoom call, or just put a question in the chat box. Anybody else? And I think we've checked the, we got your ringer, um, uh, uh, Kendra, nice to participate out twice. But I know we've covered a, a wide variety of topics. Um, is there, so let me ask you a couple of questions, kind of wrap up from a business point of view, um, Ashley. So I'm sure along the way, because um, most of the people on our call are interested in real estate, either investors or probably the majority are real estate agents. Um, and would like to you know do business with you. Now, it's not just you, but let's say the you of other markets as well, other states and such. Mm -hmm. if, if you were gonna advise somebody looking to build a career as a real estate agent uh, and wanted to um, work with your firm, work with you to help the clients get the home sold and in the course of that list of property themselves, what would be the strategy you employ? Or what tactics or what activities would you recommend them to employ to earn the opportunity to do business with your firm. And again, not just you in particular, but the, the bigger you. Mm -hmm. um, 
I would say probably, you know, uh, networking opportunities of almost any sort where there's any kind of mixer, you know, um, there's lots of professional networking opportunities, you know, Chamber of Commerce. Um, what's that really popular one? It's, it's not B2B. It's B&I. That's what it is. Um, that's a good one. I think because I don't know that cold calling would be the best way. It's like you kind of need like a, a um a, a something in common right you, to to meet somebody so and i think in groups like bni and those kind of networking groups where you get to do a one minute to go around the table and talk that i think is good also just you know asking your network who you know or who who they know that they could possibly introduce you to that works at an estate administration probate firm estate planning firm as well um, a couple other uh, questions on that same topic. So if I happen to be a realtor where we're selling real estate and you're managing the probate or trust for whatever reason, and, and the client maybe has recommended me or suggested me and you meet me and you, it looks like I know what I'm doing kind of thing. Um, it seems to me that's the best opportunity for future business. That yes. I go on my way to meet you, that, that knowing you're a law firm, bring some food in the office, bring extra for the... Uh, the uh, paralegals and the administrative staff as well. Um, yep. Do people do that? Is that is that an effective tactic? Would you recommend that? And with COVID where we are today, is it wide open to do that in, in your office? <laughs> I think COVID changed. They, COVID may have changed that. But um, I do think that is a great way in um, for sure. And we do work with other you know realtors um who've come to us that way there's there's one on the call tonight um so the client brought him to us and uh we're kind of he's learning the upset bid process so um yeah i think that's definitely a good way you know and I, it seems like most real real estate agents realtors are very responsive so that is great so i think you know being responsive is also really good um, but yeah, setting aside some time, maybe doing lunch with, um, some of the attorneys or staff at the firm to get to know them better and how you can help each other. You mentioned other work. Cause I, I, my father was an attorney. I used to work part-time in their firm when I was in oh. college. And uh, it seems like every attorney goes out, is glad to go out to lunch to meet people. That's like their normal, is that true in North Carolina as well? Or is that just a yes. California thing? Yes, that's definitely true. We um definitely look at that at, i mean it's like you got to eat anyway right so you might as well um it's a, just a you know more informal way to get to know someone than just sit in a conference room and talk about how you might do business you know and i've had a, i've had real estate agents who tell me well my career i've done 10 or 20 probates but i don't really know any attorneys i said well next time you have a probate find an excuse to go to the office bring some donuts or muffins or something with yeah. you feed the front staff and then they'll say something nice to the attorney call the attorney afterwards they'll thank you invite them to lunch you know that's if you're any good you're in the door at that point but yeah there's I, nothing wrong with that exactly <laughs> so i want to drop off donuts where do i take them to ashley <laughs> <She's> <laughs> all, yeah you can right now i'm hungry <laughs> okay good and i think that's the, the fundamentals we're all looking for which is 
we overlooked the business that's in front of us. And um, she uh, uh, definitely, the, uh, I think all attorneys I've ever met are, once you've met them, they know that you're not an ax murderer, are willing to go to lunch. Uh, women might be a little skeptical of men or vice versa uh, initially, so you have to kind of deal with that. But once they realize you're not there hitting up on them, but it's professional, then you have a chance to do some business. Uh, the network she mentioned was BNI, which is a business networking group of some sort. Um, and let's see. Here, Kelly asked a question. They buy leads, limitations in uh, Northeast Ohio that says property can be sold for 80% or higher. Uh, the appraised value or tax says value. These homes are in bad shape. The PR wants to sell for less too, but the court says no. How hard and firm is the restriction is the commission of the states and how can I get around this? So this is a good question um, uh, Kelly asks, and I'll, I'll kind of rephrase it. In California, it's 90%. So what happens is we order an inventory and appraisal report, which is an appraisal of the property, done not by a regular real estate appraiser, but by a special subset of appraisers called probate referees. And they're licensed, and there's a list of them publicly in California. And so when we sell it with court approval, the, only on court approval cases, which, which she called um, upset bids, what we call overbids, you have to sell it for at least 90% of that appraised value. And what Kelly's saying was well, sometimes appraisal comes in low. Typically, these properties are vacant. They're, they're in bad shape inside. They might be really defective inside, but the appraiser typically is doing a drive-by, can't see inside. And so my experience, Kelly, in California is that we put it on the market, and after two or three weeks, we know the value, um, and I'll send the uh, probate referee uh, the comps. I'll send him the or her the, the proof of the listing and the date. I'll tell them I've got any activity. I show the pictures inside. There's the nuclear bomb that's sitting there. There's the, the coke, uh, coke uh, ring selling amphetamines or meth methamphetamine there in the middle of the kitchen. As a result, the property's worthless. And my experience is they'll adjust the probate uh, inventory appraisal down and move forward. So I would say it depends on the judge. Like uh, Ashley said, depends on you preparing and making your request known. Um, Ashley, in your, in your jurisdiction, uh, the upset bids, is there a percentage limit? And if the appraisal, no, there's no such limit. No, so I have not ever heard of that. And it's fair market value here in North Carolina, so as far as I know. So, you know, we had an upset bid house that went a few months ago, and it was in horrible, horrific condition. There was a dead body in there for like five years. <laughs> so Woo! it was really bad. Um, and it started the bidding, the bids start really low. And we like every me and the attorney and the realtor on it had never seen so many upset bids. There were like 10. And so every it took three months because at the end of the 10th day, it would get upset every time for 10 oh. times. Oh, wow. So it took forever. Um, so, but we had one that's in good shape. The one we just, uh, that, that bidder who won on Monday, that one was in good shape. It had one like solid bid and to go above that really wasn't market value. So, so they, they got it. And, you know, we preferred cash investors and currently our market is one of the hottest in the nation. And so we can kind of ask for that. And as long as it's a fair price, um, you know, it's kind of in that realm or range of what we think is reasonable. And it's a third party buyer. 
fair market values, fair market values. So that could be really low or it could be really high. This is different in California. You, when you have the overbid, it's a one-time thing. So we might get 30 bidders that day. And I, I recently represented a buyer where we went from 900,000 to 1.25 million. It's in a big chunk of money up. Wow. But uh, you know, we have multiple bidders and for hot property, but it's a one time. And I'll just share for you guys. I always say you can tell the people professional in probated in trust. The rookies complain about the problems. The pros brag about them. If you saw her face when she talked about the dead body being there five years, that was like a badge of honor to her. Like I've done so many cases. Here's one I have that was just horrific. <laughs> like that proves that I'm good. And, I, and I'm with her like, darn, I wish I had a five-year one. My, my longest was six months. So good, good for you, Ashley. Yeah. <laughs> um, I kind of morbid, I guess. But It was pretty shocking when we, uh, when we heard about that. I'm interviewing a vendor uh, who does those kind of uh, toxic and, and uh, post-suicide um, cleanups for real estate, hazmat, yeah. and he's a former uh, fireman who got in that business and does that all over the United States, and he's going to kind of share some stories about what that looks like and those special needs. Well, look, yeah. we come up on our hour. It's been a pleasure, uh, Ashley. Yeah. I know you're busy, you're professional. It's late there at 7 o'clock, uh, start time, 8 o'clock almost now. Um, thank you so much for making time today to share your experience and I think to help teach people here. As I say all the time, it's not just about getting business from the, the, the guests, but learning the principles, learning the attitude. And I think you see naturally a commitment to help the families and also commitment to be a professional and provide great service. So thank you so much for being with us today. And then in the chat boxes are contact info, but again, um, she's with the, law, uh, the Walls Law Group, which is Walls Law NC, W-A-L-L-S Law, lawnc.com and if you go on there in the front there's a phone number link and there's a contact link and then if you go to the about us you'll see a picture of her and the picture has got a huge smile and i think i think you're wearing the same outfit that you have on today or maybe that's your standard professional uh photoshop a photo look but uh looking very professional there ashley i'm impressed i would do business with you uh, based on that thank you so much for being with us today. i really appreciate it thank you all so much i really appreciate it and your questions and we'll come back in next week. We do this every week, probateweekly.com. We do it Thursdays, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. We live stream it on Facebook and YouTube. We also record it there. If you have questions there, I'll catch up with them. Thank you so much, everybody, and make this your best week ever. Thanks so much. Hey, it's Bill Gross. I hope you like this video. If you want to join us live every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern, register at probateweekly.com, www.probateweekly.com. And if you like this content, hit the like button and subscribe and hit notifications, and you get notified as soon as we upload every time. Thanks.